Welcome to Moxell Banter, where both of our teams are now out of the playoffs. Uh, I'm Chris Okamura. Wow. Joining me as always, Mr. Jordan Christmas. Wow, just right in, right to the point. Just it really is. It, 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 welcome to the club, first off. it's uh, This season has been an interesting one. Thank you. Hope the couch is, there's like a big enough spot on the couch for me. Yeah, watch. I got you, fam. It's right here. It's, uh, <laughs> for sure. it's pretty comfortable. Thanks, It's man. pretty comfortable. It's uh the the thing about this season is like uh it's a weird one all around. So like it's hard to take it's hard to you know uh the couch is is more comfy than usual. Oh for sure. So it's a softer. It's you're a like softer you're couch. like the friend in the line where you, you we asked to reserve a spot you know for the midnight release and you know you're you held it down. So thanks for holding that spot on the couch for me. I feel you, man. So <laughs> Jordan, I, I do want to give you the time like I did last episode. To talk it, about it won't be stuff. as it won't be as long honestly um, I'll, I'll give you the form take okay. take it away okay so it was last night was shocking but not shocking at the same time if you if that makes sense um yeah. it honestly it became apparent probably going back to game five that the sixers weren't just gonna have enough offense to score and I just think at the bottom, at the end of the day, and it comes back to what it was every year, you can't expect to, yeah, it's great to be an elite defensive team, but still, at some point during the playoffs, you need to score because even the best defenses get scored on. I mean, what's the, what's the phrase you hear all the time? Good offense beats good defense any day of the week. The Sixers basically had to play perfect defense. For the entire series which is certainly they're capable of doing it it's just asking for it every game is unsustainable considering that you know tobias harris is your second option and when he's not going the offense kind of falls apart immediately especially when you know ben simmons not only just won't shoot a jumper won't look at the rim like he won't even do what gets him his normal points that he scores whether it be attacking the rim attacking a mismatch. The Hawks were able to get away with playing Trey Young, Bogdanovich, Gallinari, Collins, and Capella. And the reason they were able to play Gallinari and go big like that was one for obviously the stret the stretching the floor on the offensive end, but Gallinari could just chill on defense because Ben Simmons would hand the ball off, walk to the dunker spot, no screens, no cutting, no nothing. And would just do nothing. And honestly, everybody's going to talk about that play where he had the wide open dunk and passed it to Matisse Thibel, who then was fouled and That's made one awesome. of two. That that play was obviously, as ev- with everyone else, that play was really shocking. But there were just a few points in the game where I knew that this wasn't going to happen. So Trey Young at one point was like two for 17 in the first half and the Sixers were down three and that was already with a dominant first half from Joel Embiid and you know getting some help here and there from Tobias and Seth Curry being in foul trouble hurt but you see my point here when your second best player is your 
best ball handler and passer, but he can't have the ball in his hands because he can't score, and he's lost his confidence, and he can't shoot free throws, and it's not even the free throw percentage. He's just lost confidence altogether, and the free throw percentage just dipped to really just putrid levels. Um, and that's where you have it. I mean, just think about it, Chris. So if you just take if you just take away Joel Embiid and Tr- and Trey Young straight up, just look at the roster up and down. Are the Sixers truly more talented than the Hawks? Like serious question because they have Bogdan Bogdanovich who was honestly like, well, Bucks might make the finals anyway, but at the start of the season we were just like that if they had a, got that guy, that would have been an Eastern Conference finalist for sure. And then you got Kevin Herter who is who was a nice player coming out of college could do a little bit more than he gets credit for off the dribble just because everybody assumes he's white all he can do is shoot but he's actually kind of athletic has some bounce and also is big six seven was roasting seth curry all night on the defensive end but hey we need seth curry oh my alarm went off my uh That was my nap alarm to wake up and uh, be angry during the start of this podcast. No, but in all seriousness, um, it was just a lot of things. And honestly, like Doc Rivers, what can we say at this point about the guy? Like a a 10-man rotation in a game seven, and then you randomly play Shake Milton in the fourth quarter just to try something. And it's not Shake's fault or anything. But it just it became apparent that the offense just boiled down to get the ball to Embiid and bail us out all the time. And I know everybody's going to get on Embiid for having eight turnovers in back-to-back games, but it wasn't like he was turning the ball over, passing it out of the post, or you know, um, you know, uh, throwing a careless pass out of the post, or dribbling into a triple team or whatever. It was that they would give him the ball on the nail and they would ask him to create and go into a ton of bodies because it just became cramped in there. Simmons' guy was already there. Tobias didn't have it some uh, for the last, uh, I would say, eight out of the last 14 quarters of this series, um, just spanning over games five and seven through seven. It, it just became really tough, it, and it's become apparent that the Sixers need guards, and it's time to focus around building around Joel Embiid's prime, man. Um, honestly, I was more bummed after game five than I am now, only because it was it was part, you know, put the team out of the misery, old Yeller style, right? But it was also just changes need to changes need to happen and i know the chances of doc rivers being fired is not high considering that ownership would have to pay contracts for the next few years to two coaches that have already been that have been fired recently um but a change just has to happen there but also just it's hard to win with ben, when Ben Simmons is considered your second best player and the point guard of a championship team. We now know that he is not that, nor will he improve on even the low-hanging fruit unless he gets out of his own head to improve on that stuff. So it was a tough series, but I think at the end of the day, the Hawks just not only did they have more offensive talent than the Sixers where everybody could create their own shot, 
They just they were the mentally tougher team, and uh, it was epitomized by you know Trey Young, who has been spectacular all playoffs. So, it, full credit to the Hawks. The Sixers could have, should have, you know, won this in four or five. But the bottom line is, another Doc Rivers team blows another winnable series, and this was more egregious than the Toronto loss because at least Toronto was the eventual champions, and Kawhi was God mode. But this one. It's going to sting for a bit, and I just feel bad for Embiid. Yeah. I mean, so this, again, goes back to Doc, where it's it's the thing where we talked about it last week about for a coach that everyone brings up is a chemistry guru and, like, a personalities guy and a player's coach, and, like, hey, maybe he's not as strong on X's and O's, and the rotations, some of that, but he like gets a team to play together. The amount of play, the amount of players, and even himself that were coming out and really throwing Ben under the bus here at post game was kind of surprising. Yeah, that that part was surprising. Um, I'm actually not surprised with Embiid because Embiid has yeah, he's done that before. Embiid has um, actually like, done that plenty of times. But yeah, yeah. Um, like I mean, Doc comes, I think when when someone someone asks you, "Hey, is Ben Simmons still a playoff or a championship caliber point guard, or can he be a championship caliber point guard?" And as you're as a coach that is a players coach and a personality guy and someone that's all about like you know giving players confidence and and building chemistry and playing together, and when your answer is, "I don't know that answer right now." I think if he I think if he tried to do his usual shtick that he's been doing all year, which is basically at at some points, you know, reporters would ask questions about Ben's like a scoring at times or whatever, or like even in the Washington series when the Wizards stole game four, in part, not all, but in part because of Hackabin, they asked Doc Rivers if he ever thought about taking Ben out at any point, and he verbatim called them an idiot and uh, he saying he would like to see the person who would suggest that because then I know they don't know basketball and then to see the answer change with every passing series especially in the Hawks series it's like um you know he's got to make his free throws if he does he stays if he doesn't he's out and then now all of a sudden to come to the I think Doc realized that he just can't BS the public especially the Philly fans anymore because we all saw it like there is a lot of people watching teams in the playoffs than they normally would watch those said teams in the regular season everybody saw that and um was it ideal no but at the same time it was like what can you do and um and B doesn't surprise me though because he has think about it he has capitulated in every way he has become an above-average three-point shooter for the first time in his career. Why is he? People will be like, "Well, why does he stand out at the three-point line sometimes?" Well, because you need to accommodate for Ben. Embiid can run dribble handoffs with people. He can run with a pick-and-roll guard like Jimmy Butler, who ended up taking the reins of our offense towards the end of that playoff run. Like Embiid has been so adaptable, and honestly, more adaptable than he gets credit for, because people will always be like, "Well, what kind of players can fit around Embiid?" Any type of player could fit around Embiid. I mean, he's proved it. He's even accommodated his game for Ben also. I just think you saw a guy who I think in some ways has had it, is fed up, 
because he has changed his game, capitulated. He has asked Ben to help him space the floor. And then I, I sent you that article earlier from your own Wiseman who wrote uh, Tanking to the Top about yeah. his conversations great with article. Simmons about yeah great article and uh still I still need to uh, pick up the book too um it was it was very jarring the stuff he was talking with Ben about and just his unwillingness to change and that's what's disappointing and um yeah. that's not to say Ben is still not a good player I think he is I think everybody overreacting now and trying to assess his trade value I just think it's going to recorrect itself and it's probably going to be somewhere in the middle. Like it's not, there's a reason why people are salivating at the fact of buying low on Ben Simmons, because we all oh, know yeah. the talents there. Like, I just think everybody like with everything is everything's swinging one way and everybody thinks it's this, but I highly doubt the trade value is like, you know, you, you proposed Wiseman and Wiggins. I don't think it's, <laughs> I don't think it's that low. No, it's not that low. Yeah. I didn't propose it. Someone proposed that to me. I don't yeah. agree. Yeah. I think the, I think something like, uh, like I I I've gone through trade scenarios in my head because I I honestly believe, and again, you can think that I, I, and next to LeBron and AD is an interesting matchup, an interesting kind of mix of players, and so I was kind of thinking about like, is that even possible, and would it be oh, that would work? Be ugly in terms of spacing. I don't. I, oh, I would it not definitely. Wish, I would not wish that on you. It definitely would, would, but like I would view. <laughs> I would view him as like uh, my dad put it, Point Dwight. Well, that's what it's funny that you say Point Dwight. This is one of my problems with Doc Rivers. Dwight, ha this was my main issue, not my one of my main issues, one of my few issues with Doc. Dwight Howard was actively detrimental in this series, not only on both ends of the floor. But in-game moments, like boneheaded flagrant fouls because he's frustrated he didn't get a call. Like, do we really need a, you to commit a flagrant foul out of frustration when we're in a one-point game in a Game 7 of a playoffs? Why is it that Dwight Howard shares the floor with Trey Young? Every time Dwight Howard's on the floor, Trey Young's like, sick. It's time to go to work and cook. <laughs> like, Dwight Howard was a minus 30 in this series. Like, and I know Ben had his struggles, but you would think that Doc would be creative and try to, you know, put Ben at center. It worked in the last series, but unfortunately, he did it out of necessity because Embiid was hurt. He missed that one. He missed uh, most of Game Four and didn't play in Game Five, and so Doc had to put Simmons at center. Like, why did? Why were you forced to do that? Why not just go to it? And yeah, you might not. You might allow more points because you don't have rim protection. But those off, but those Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris only lineups with no Embiid and no Howard, those were like a. I looked it up yesterday. They they were a uh, offensive rating of one twenty two in the playoffs, and unfortunately they only played like sixty possessions because you like at some point you have to change something up because the the Tobias four uh, the Tobias with four bench players lineup that wasn't working. And you still went to it. And yeah, the roster, you have limited options, but there were easy lineups you could have played out there. there also, stop running those BS plays where we pretend that Simmons is in an offensive set and then he hands it off to Curry and then just meanders to the dunker spot. Like, asking Seth Curry to carry your offense? Like, come on, man. Like, yeah, that's real bad. Like, 
it, at some point, like, Doc had to switch something up. And maybe Simmons at the five gets him going in transition. Like, we've seen it. We've seen the perks of Simmons at the center. Yeah, there's flaws, but at least they could have switched. I didn't like that. We, we stayed in the same base coverage with Trey Young the entire series. Drop coverage. Like, no switch. Like, hardly switching, even though it worked in this series. No trapping, even though it worked in this series. Because you don't want – because you would rather have Capella – Collins or Herter make a decision rather than Trey Young just get the ball out of his hands just stuff like that like I don't want Doc Rivers back as the head coach of the 76ers but he's going to be and I would rather fine fine you know what if we're gonna keep him I'm gonna throw up probably the entire season while it's happening but at least give him some traditional players so where he can to where he can uh, play simple stuff because he's an old school stubborn coach that won't change yeah. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting scenario. I think the, so. I I don't see Ben Simmons being a sixer. No, I, I, they, they, he I, can't be. Like, yeah, he I, can't be. Yeah, you know, I would be. I'd be shocked if Maury isn't already on the phones. Um, just kind of like maybe not making deals, but at least checking checking interest. the temperature. Yeah. Yeah. Like, look, um, I mean. When Maury came in, like, none of this is, like, his, like, or he started. So, like, he could do this – is, this is why I'm interested in this offseason. This is going to be Maury's, like, full – first full real offseason with the team. And he's already he's already identified – one, he already identified that shooters around Ben and Joel work, but he also realized that they he needed something more. That's why he tried to trade for Harden. That's why he tried to trade for Kyle Lowry. And – Man, he, you know what's funny? If, if we know Maury's... Of, oh, sorry, go ahead. Thinking about this now, even if you switched Ben Simmons and Harden, one leg and Harden now, they still they still blow them out. They still blow up the Hawks in this series. Yeah, they, you're you're absolutely <laughs> like, right. The they, one leg and Harden that can't move still blows out this this Hawks team. Yeah, because he at least he would have you know shot a few step back threes, but and and facilitated like. And so, basically, it's come down to so like he's already tried to trade for Harden. He's already tried to trade for Lowry. Maury has a history of look, stars matter. That's the those are the guys who win you the championship. And so I already know he's hunting for a few options. So I came up with two realistic trades because I think, or not trades per se, but frameworks of trades because I was thinking. You know, unless Damian Lillard requests a trade specifically, that's a pipe dream. It's not going to happen. Um, 99.5% chance that the Sixers aren't trading for Lillard. Bradley Beal is more its more out of reach, but it's doable if you throw in everything you can, right? right. And so then I was thinking, okay, well, CJ McCollum's probably the other compromise because – Blazer fans are also sick of CJ McCollum at this point. That roster has reached its expiration date. The Blazers have a lot of scoring guards. Even if they trade CJ, they still have CJ Mc- or they still have um, Norman Powell. They still have Dame Lillard. They still have Anthony Simons. Like they have a bunch of scoring options, but they need a facilitator and somebody who can shore up their defense because they've been putrid. 
So that would actually be a good fit for both teams. I think that's the most obvious trade. Everybody has already said it. Uh, basically, it would, and I've worked the trade machine, it would be some form of Simmons and McCollum just straight up, or we might have to throw in a piece, but like they're both depressed assets. So you could probably just do a one for one trade. But the other one I was thinking about, especially after reading uh, John Hollinger's latest piece from The Athletic, he may, reminded me that um, there's definitely somebody I want more than C.J. McCollum, and I actually think is doable. And I think this is the move actually Maury is going to pull off. That because uh, he'll 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 find the he'll find the solutions and find an ex unexpected one too. I think he's going to try to go for Zach Levine. Of oh, the of the Chicago Bulls. That's a very so, good option. The Bulls are like the Trailblazers, have a lot of scoring guards, but they also have a center, Vucevic, who is really good. You know, has limitations defensively, but can stretch the floor, is a rebounder, is a good post player, is a good pick and pop from the mid range as well. And they have a bunch of scoring guards. They have Kobe White. Patrick Williams, like Patrick Williams, he's he showed some scoring chops this year, and also he's an athletic wing. The Bulls just have guards and athletic wings, but what did we talk about on this podcast all year with the Bulls? They have a lot of scoring talent, but they don't have a facilitator, one that ties the room together, like the rug and the big Lebowski. You got to tie the room together, and Ben Simmons provides passing, but also, much like the Blazers, they need to shore up their defense. And Ben Simmons definitely is a perfect complement for even somebody like a Carl Anthony Towns or a Nikola Vucevic, where they're not, they maybe not, they might not be the best centers defensively, but at least they have an elite, versatile, maybe the best perimeter player, perimeter defender in basketball to back them up. So, how this would work is it would, it, I think the only way it would work is Levine and Al Farouk Aminu's expiring. That was the only trade that would work. That way, the Bulls have a 24-year-old with special talents locked in for five years. They don't have to try to extend Levine, who is a free agent after next season, or, yeah, the 2021-22 season. And the Sixers, you know, they, can, they have an expiring contract, and then they have the three-level score that has improved every year and has really just become a dynamic offensive player and the Sixers will have the defenders to cover for Levine's deficiencies. So I think that is also a win-win for both teams. So the Bulls one is the one that I was looking at where I was like, okay, that might be the one where Daryl might sneak in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, I think that's definitely an interesting thing. I think that this off season just gets more, this, this, this loss makes this offseason so interesting, and I think the the two teams that are like going to shake things up the most to me are the, are, are the Sixers and the Clippers. I think the Clippers are good for. I think they are. I think uh, Kawhi's coming back, especially with his injury. We don't know if yeah. he, if he's gonna. He, he's definitely gonna opt out, but he might just go go back to the Clippers. Um, I just want to say one more thing before we close the book on the Sixers here. Um, two more things. One, I'm all about protecting Joel Embiid's prime at this point. We don't. One, we don't know how long it will last. But two, we just can't wait for 
people to try and catch up and develop and hope that he that they compliment him like we just got to do what we can to maximize his prime two will the anti anti-process cretins just stop with the <laughs> it's the end of the process no the process worked Joel Embiid is living proof that the process worked. The definition of the process, and I will say it until I am dead and buried six feet under, and it'll be engraved in my tombstone. NBA history, what wins a championship? Teams with the guy, preferably two guys, but definitely an MVP candidate. How do you get those? High draft picks. How do you get a high draft pick? You lose. And yes, you're going to miss, but that was the point. Multiple chances at the apple, and then you get the guy. And now it's time to build around him. We thought it was Embiid and Simmons. There were some misses. There was some weirdness. Fultz forgot how to shoot. Zaire Smith almost died from a, a sesame allergy. Oh, I forgot about that. Yep, they traded Mikel Bridges when they probably just should have kept him. There has been mistakes, but at the end of the day, they got the transcendent talent. The process worked. And I know people want to pearl clutch about the morals of winning and losing and losing on purpose and the human element element of it, all of which I get, but also irrelevant to the definition of what the goal of the process was. It worked. But now it's on us to now it's on the Sixers to remember the process again and build around Embiid and be diligent with it because they definitely cut steps and corners on the way. And now it's up to Maury, the architect of it all, who brought us Sam Hinkie at first. Now it's up to him to finish it off. And it's all about Embiid at this point. And that's all I have. No, totally agree with you. I think like that that's the kind of thing where... Obviously, as long as you have Embiid and as long as he's playing for the Sixers, I think you can have a thing where you're like, yeah, okay. Like it worked. This process no, like, worked. It's like, dude, this is this is the first time, like, in a long time that I have seen my team in the playoffs four seasons in a row. Yeah. Like, and multiple fifty win seasons. Like, there have been four. There have been three fifty win pace seasons, winning percentages, already in the last four years than I have ever ex- than I have experienced going all the way back to. 2001 when we won fit i believe it was 51 games we were the number one seed in the east yeah like it it was oh no now i got it now i gotta check the 2001 sixers i'm pretty sure it was way more than that actually but anyway that was at that point that was the only time we had won. yeah 56 wins at that point that was the only time in my life a sixer team had won more than 50 games (laughs) It has been yeah. a long time. Like, I am fine with – I was fine with the painless two and a half years of tanking. It sucked sometimes, yes. But I get to watch Embiid play every day. And so we got to build around him as such. He's the He is the guy. Yeah, totally with you. And it, it's sad because it's a thing where – I remember last year watching them play the Celtics, and he just looked exhausted. Yeah. And and then looking at him this year, he still just looks like he, he it's a frustration, but it's he, also just like a like a what do I what else do I do? 
He has to do oh. so much. He has to be the engine on the offense, and he has to be spectacular on the defensive end of the floor. And, you know, I made this point the other night as I was watching Rudy Gobert just get roasted again and again and again and again and again by Terrence Mann. Like, if Embiid <laughs> was out there, like, with the perimeter scores the Jazz have, yeah, the Jazz don't have the best perimeter defenders outside of Royce O'Neal, right? But Embiid has made... Embiid has made lesser defend made elite defenses out of lesser defenders like routinely. And if Embiid had the perimeter scores that Gobert had, could you imagine the off the, the relief he would feel? Uh, he would be like, I could actually spend more energy on the defensive end. I actually can do a few pick and rolls and get some easier baskets. I don't have to chisel my way on the block all the time and exhaust myself. Like it's just it's time. There's obvious stuff that needs to be fixed here. And so we playmaking and scoring off the dribble are the two priorities for me. Okay. I think you're right on. Speaking of the Jazz, let's just let's move on because uh that is that is the eulogy on the Sixers. I am now officially a Phoenix Suns fan. Are we Dude. ready to have some fun? Are we ready to have some fun with some jazz slander? Segment? I am ready to have some fun with jazz. Oh slander. my goodness! I am. So now, I I, before couple... before I start my jazz slander, I am a Donovan Mitchell fan and a Mike Conley fan. I love Mike Conley's been one of my favorite players for a long time. Lefty gang, shout out. Um, yes, I'm a huge those, Mike Conley guy. Those are the only two players, pretty much, and Clarkson. That I'm a big Joe Ingles guy. Jingling Joe. Yeah, I I like Joe Ingles too. But man, the entire state of Utah, jazz bloggers, tough scene. Just a just a tough scene. You know, you th- <laughs> throw throwing 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 defensive graphs at us at us like you're my dad who's a math who was a math teacher when I was growing up. Yeah, okay. You can throw out your LeBrons, your Raptors, your T-Rexes, your pterodactyls, whatever other acronyms and graphs you want to throw out. Rudy Gobert is a great defender. He's great in one area, which is rim protection. And like Draymond said on TNT, if you get a great defender in an area where he is not as great and uncomfortable, he can be had. And that was the case with the Clippers. And that is why I picked the Clippers in six. Because if the Clippers went small... Rudy Gobert is going to be guarding one of those guys. And Quinn Snyder was too stubborn to make the adjustment. He didn't want to take him off. That Terrence Mann game was incredible, man. Like the man explosion, the man explosion. Mike Breen was in his bag too, by the way, just off of man puns alone. Oh my God. When he said the man explosion, I, I've never found myself praying for Richard Jefferson to be on broadcast more. Oh, Richard (laughs) Jefferson, Richard Jefferson would have made that. Real, he would have brought like towing the line. The he would have brought it to the close to the line, like maybe looking over the line, but then looking back over, coming back over. Like, oh Rick- my god, I I was begging for some some you know some hot Richard some, like, Jefferson. Yeah, here. like a R- Richard Jefferson interjection or a rebuttal. Yes, <laughs> yeah, dude. No, as, I get soon, that. as soon as he said a man explosion, I lost it. I couldn't <laughs> handle it anymore. <laughs> well, well, he then he then uh, he had a dunk. He had a putback dunk, 
um in the second half and mike breen said oh what a man and i ought and i automatically thought of that in vogue song what a man what a man what a man what a mighty good you you don't you don't know yeah. what i'm talking about I'm okay with you. No, I'm totally oh, with you. okay okay so i was like oh shit he's in invo- he's invoking in vogue too all right mike breen like <laughs> mike breen Bro, there's no person happier right now than mike breen who is back in arenas now because he has been hyped these these uh last few games he was really good in the in the uh Suns Clippers game yesterday. I watched that game this morning because I missed it yesterday because of Father's Day activities. And um, it was a great game. It was a great, great, game. great game. Great Devin we'll Booker. Talk about game. It a bit after yeah. after the Jazz landed. Yeah, but we'll after the Jazz. Game. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, that fantastic game. But I do want to say with the Jazz. So I I took some heat from some Jazz people. Some you know because Jazz fans more than anyone else seem to go looking for the slander. Yeah. Right, and yeah. then I don't know sense. if you've noticed this. It makes sense. Um, I've seen it. It's happened to me. So uh, there was a thing going around that was uh, Booker, uh, Booker, Beal, Mitchell rank them, and to me, it's pretty clear. Um, and again, I'm lower on Donovan Mitchell than you are. I still like him. I think he's very inconsistent. I don't like. I I think that the consistency thing is. I think he's a. He's talented. He's athletic. I think he's consistently think he, shown he's shown up in the playoffs. I think he's a superstar. I think he's shown up in games where it matters. That's uh, that's where it cut. That like I just, I just don't think so. I again for me it's just a thing. Of, I don't like the consistency. Like through the course of a game, I think a lot of his scoring comes in in stretches and like not consistently throughout a game. And it's like I don't know if I can rely on him on any given possession. I don't know. I don't know what Donovan Mitchell I'm going to get when I give him the ball. Um, and again, like th- these are just my opinions, and like I again, I know we probably differ on how we feel about him, but I also feel like out of the core, out of these three players, he's probably the least skilled of the three, and I don't think it's a dig at all. I think that he's the least skilled of these three. He's just the most athletic okay. out of these three. Um, and so yeah. I put I put Booker first, and I put two spaces Beal, and then I put like five or six spaces, and then Mitchell. And so again, and I qualified it. I was like, you know, it, to me, it's consistency. And then I brought up the athleticism argument, whatever. And I had some jazz fans very, very angry. Um, now again, I I'm lower on him than most people. I know that for sure. But again, I don't think it's out of the argument to say that he is the worst of the three of them. Oh, and again, no. I don't. I would I would take Booker and Beal over Mitchell myself too. I just think Mitchell yeah. has elevated to the point of borderline superstar because he's shot over 60 percent true shooting wise the last two playoffs and his average over 33 i don't think mitchell's scoring has been the reason the jazz have flamed out i think it's no no no, no. i, I don't think get that at all i think it's mainly because you know the stifle tower <laughs> and some people some people were called him a uh, uh, french uh, french clint capella or bismarck <laughs> biombo uh, he just can't take advantage of anybody on the offensive end. Like that's just that's what it is. Yeah. Like no, he, I totally agree with you. He, he, every time he would get a switch or he would flash to the middle, and he would get the ball. Sometimes he would either fumble it or he would have some awkward mechanical footwork and brick it. Or basically, his only source of offense was lobs and um, putbacks. And when you run a small lineup like that, that's just that's just detrimental for 
Gobert, who is just getting absolutely roasted on the other. By the way, when is ESPN going to start giving, like, Tim Legler a raise in more spots? Because he is, like, I think he's clearly the best basketball analyst on that show on, on ES, at ESPN. Like, he's mm-hmm. incredible, like, explaining this. But, yeah, the Jazz also just had too many too many uh, perimeter players that just don't defend like that, except for Royce O'Neal. And so that also didn't help Gobert, but with the way the Jazz play defense, it was just easy to exploit. And I'm happy they got booted out of the playoffs because Jazz fans don't deserve nice things. John Stockton all of a sudden is in an anti-vax documentary. Like, I, that was also a bad omen for the Jazz for game six. Just, they, it, it, was, it, was a bad day. it was a bad day all around. I feel bad for my guy Mitchell and Conley, but, you know, Shame for the, uh, you know, shame for the city of Utah. That's basically my Seinfeld reaction to it. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, for for me and the Jazz, like, I don't. If Gobert was getting paid less, I wouldn't be as mad, or I wouldn't be as like, I'm not even upset or mad because I'm not a Jazz fan, right? But like. What's it? I'm gonna look at this contract right now. It's huge. It kicks in next year. Mm-hmm. So he's making over thirty a year. Yep. He's gonna be making forty-six million dollars in his age thirty-three season. Yeah. In twenty twenty-five, twenty-six. And he's not Chris Paul. Nope. He, that he is not. You are correct. <laughs> but that, 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 that game was just that game was the epitome of it, though. <clears throat> that game was the, that game six was the epitome of what we've been talking about for the last three years. And look, I get it. Fans will defend their guys and stuff like that. I am certainly guilty of that, also. And, you know, maybe not seeing the truth as soon as somebody else and stuff like that. I think actually some of that has to do with Ben Simmons a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, you want it to work. You want it to work out, et cetera, et cetera. So I get it. But it's become apparent now for three years, especially with the way the Jazz play. They really just it's everything revolves around Rudy Gobert, the offense, the defense. It's Rudy Gobert's screen setting that the is why the Jazz have the offense that they have where they take so many threes because um, it's supposed to be spacing and Gobert dives to the rim, etc. But there's a ceiling on that, and it was ridiculous. And that's the other thing with, you know, Gobert. Like, he is such an analytics darling that you know how analytics people can get. They could get so matter-of-fact and smug about it and be like, well, actually, you know, if he's if he – if he's really valuable to the team with the best record in the West, then he's the most valuable player. No, Rudy Gobert is not an MVP candidate this year. He was not. Like, let's stop that. Like, it's that type of shit. They were – it's like, okay, if he really is that impactful and valuable, let's see it. And then what he's supposed to be good at just gets schemed right out of the playoffs. Like, that just is what it is. And I don't care if jazz fans can at this podcast. It's that box out banter. You can at me. It's at Jordan underscore Xmas. Like, sorry, dog. Like, he, he he could get schemed off, especially when 
Royce O'Neal is the only viable perimeter defender. Yeah. And again, this goes back to, I don't want to keep harping on it, but it's something we talked about last week about how there's just other defenders in the NBA that can do more than he can and, and excel. I would and, easily take Joel Embiid over Gobert defensively. Oh, yeah. Easily. I would take Embiid. I would take, I, would take a, I would take a healthy Anthony Davis. Like, there's a lot of guys that do what he does, but better and more versi- with more versatility. Yeah, like, they won't get like people will say like well Gobert's better on the switch than he gets credit for okay yeah he could stay in front of you could show me two clips in a game where he could stay in front of somebody for once but Embiid Davis like those guys they do it way more consistently and they have better technique than Gobert and they have better feet than Gobert Gobert has like plodding brick feet like he's nimble and he tries AD and AD and Embiid look like guards when they move Yep. Like Gobert Embiid, looks like a stiff when he tries to g- walk out there. Yeah, and it's so, it's it's so funny because sometimes like I'll watch him on offense and I go, okay, there's the screen, there's the roll, okay, there's a shot. Oh, he gets the rebound and put back, and then someone like the someone on the commentary will be like, and that's why Rudy Gobert. And I was like, no, that's all he can do. That's all yeah. he can do. Again, he's a good player, just not as good as I I don't think he's as good as everybody says he is. And there are definitely more defenders I would take over. I would take I would take even this level of Draymond Green over Rudy Gobert. Honestly, I think Draymond Green and Kawhi Leonard are the two best defenders of the last 15 years. Like not Gobert. I don't, uh, 15 years? Now you're getting into prime Dwight, my friend, and I will years. not have fifth. Okay, you're right. You're right. Uh, Dwight Howard too. Um, okay, let's go ten years. <laughs> prime Dwight was prime some Dwight. Next level shit. Yeah, we talked about it last. We talked about it last week. Like Prime Dwight was incredible. Okay, so go back to two thousand. Since two thousand and ten, Draymond and Kawhi have been those two standard bearers for defense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, the Jazz definitely have a. They have. A good team and who knows like if they had Conley to start the series maybe things would have turned out differently this playoffs is wide open but at the end of the day their greatest strength was the Clippers ha- turned the Jazz's greatest strength into their greatest weakness as corny and movie catchy sound that catchy that sounds but the thing is it happens every year yep this isn't new mm-hmm so I don't know, and I think that they're even in a worse spot than the Sixers are because you can't trade Gobert. <laughs> no, no one wants Gobert. Yeah. So you know, I don't they're know where be stuck they're winning a bunch of. They're going to be stuck winning fifty games a year and maybe hoping they break through to the Western Conference Finals once, a la Portland. Yeah. They're stuck in the Portland cycle. It's really Donovan Mitchell has to, um, like, go up the next level and Mike Conley has to find the fountain of youth. Like that's the only way the jazz could visibly improve. Okay. This is, and, a, like, this, raise is their dumb, ceiling. this is a dumb question. Okay. And like, what happens if you put Rocco on this team? Robert Covington in place of who? Just as another rotation guy gives you an extra defender, a shooter. Give you a better a better 
perimeter defender. See the thing with Roko the thing with Roko is he's more of an off ball defender. He'll get toast. Yeah. He's he's toast now as a one on one defender. And he was average to begin with. And I love my guy Roko, of course. Um I don't I'm think a he raised Roko. I, I oh I'm a Ro Sixer fans had civil wars about Roko and I was on the and I was on the pro Covington side. Yeah, so um, like my thing is like if you, what if you put Roko on this team like if just as another guy that can get out there and at least stick with someone cuz right now the way they have it it's like it's like Bogdan and Ingles trying to like scurry around Clarkson these Conley got picked on in yeah. game 6 like it would help for sure. I don't think it would raise the needle that much though. I really do think they sure. just need like, I think I think Boyan is fine, is is fine as a defender, but you kind of need more stuff around him. So maybe that would help in a way. I still would have picked the Clippers just because, you know, the engine of it all is Rudy Gobert. Yeah. So I don't think Roka would have helped that much, as much as a lot of teams could use Roko. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, what? I just don't like the Jazz. <laughs> I don't like. I don't like Jazz. I don't. I'm not a huge Donovan Mitchell guy. I'm like Gobert, whatever. Not a big and thing. By the way, the Jazz is should be in New Orleans. Like, yeah. Why the Why the fuck are they called the Utah Jazz again, and not uh, like? Why are the Lakers called the Lakers? They should be in Minneapolis. <laughs> that is true. So you guys should only count count twelve championships. No, nah, we're good. <laughs> I do, I do, I do want to retire Mike. I, I'm, I'm of the crowd that demands that we retire Mike and jersey, but you know, I don't know oh, why wow. we don't. I'm surprised his jersey wasn't retired. Yeah, so that's why it's a big thing of like, if you don't retire the Mike and jerseys, you can't claim the Mike and championship. Kind of where I'm at. Hmm. Okay, but, fair, fair, fair enough. You know, if they retire Mike and jerseys, then. Then you, then you're back then you're back in you're like sixteen we're baby, <laughs> yeah. But you know what, we're 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 getting ahead of ourselves here a little bit. Uh, let's How about talk my about... son Devin Booker? I want to talk about the Suns. Yeah. So I we talked about this earlier. To me, Suns have an open door to win yeah. a ring, an easy ring. I think they're, I think they're the yeah they they got to be the favorites. Pretty pretty clearly. I don't think it's as easy. I do think the Bucks figured some stuff out. They finally shortened their rotation and figured out that Giannis should probably play center. Um, he had a great game seven. Uh, but the Suns are the most complete team. They have the two best players playing right now in Chris Paul and Devin Booker. DeAndre Ayton's been spectacular. And it's good. That's this series is going to be interesting because the Suns actually have somebody that can take advantage of the Clippers' small lineup. DeAndre Ayton runs the floor hard. He seals. He catches. He finishes. He could shoot the jumper a little bit, even though his baseline jumper really wasn't working in a game one. Um, but I'm telling you, man, as a day one, as a day one Devin Booker stockholder. Like the price of the brick going up. Yeah. <laughs> like it's 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 honestly we need to do more thought exercises with this because I, I talked about it before. We just throw around the 
good stats, bad team guy label so often. And I think that's partially because Bill Simmons and his, you know, his methods and his way of looking at history has poisoned the discourse a little bit. But how could you not, how could you not look at Devin Booker, somebody who was averaging all these points on league average efficiency on terrible teams, which is really hard to do. And you see a guy who has passing chops, can shoot off the dribble, has has a post game, idolizes Kobe. And you look at him and be like, you can't build a winning team around this guy. He's not a winning player. Like, what? Like, when the guy is passing to Marquise Chris and Dragon Bender, I mean, when Ricky Rubio's not spacing the floor for you, like, all the misses they've had in the draft, like... I, I am just really happy that Devin Booker is finally on a winning team where he could show his talents. It, and how cold is it that his first triple-double of his career came in his first career Western Conference game? He really controlled the pace of that entire game. Like him, and really Paul, like him and Paul George were battling it out for their teams. Paul George, by the way, is playing like top three MVP candidate in 2019, Paul George. Yeah, the he's last playing five fantastic. Um, Shut up. But Devin Booker putting up 40 points, 13 rebounds, and what was it, 11 assists? Like, he was controlling everything. And then he were, there was that run where he scored thir 13 straight points in the third quarter when it looked like the Clippers were kind of, you know, you know, put pressing their will on a little bit. And he was yeah. like, all right, I guess I'm just going to get to my spot in the midi, get fouled, get to the line, hit a pull-up three, like, pass it like that play where um towards the end where bridges got the steal and passed it to booker on the two-on-one and booker just sent it right back up to bridges for an alley-oop dunk like that was like wow devin booker has grown up because yeah he could have taken that layup and maybe gotten a foul and one but he was just he was just in complete control of the game and was like let me get bridges a a bucket for getting the steal oh dude you can totally tell how much of an effect chris paul has had on him yeah, for sure. On that whole team, like, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing yeah. is, it's crazy, is like, I think they're going to blow through the Clippers. Because this game was close. And like, and obviously, you know, Den Booker had a great game and they played through it. And like, yeah. If Especially now, if Marcus Morris is out too, it's over, man. Like, Chris Paul's coming back. I don't see the Clippers. Oh, was, he in, was he injured? What happened? What? Marcus Morris. Marcus Morris. I didn't see. He... Oh yeah, he left with like a knee injury. Oh, I must have missed that during the game. The part of the game yeah. was muted when I the replay on MB on League Pass. Like the first like seven minutes of the third quarter were muted for some reason. Like that sound yeah. wasn't uh, working. So I mean, it's not a huge deal. So yeah, yeah, he. So when they asked Tyloo after the game, he said he wasn't sure where he was at. Hmm. So well, I mean, me this is where this is where not having Kawhi hurts, obviously. Yeah, I actually think this would have been it, like the Suns. I I could tell you from speaking to a speaking to a Suns fan I know and looking at Suns Twitter, they wanted the Jazz because they know that's the easier matchup. But then Kawhi, but then Kawhi got hurt, and so now the Clippers' ability to go small and switch everything is hampered when you don't have you know, arguably he's been a top three to five player all playoffs. Yeah. Right. And um, so, yeah, so real quick, Marcus Morris is questionable for game two. Yeah. The Clippers are 
the Clippers are losing bodies fast. Um, it would be interesting to see what Ty Lue does, though. I do want to see what I do want to see what buttons he'll press. Um, yeah, I give him a ton of credit. He's he has yeah, really managed. He's he's really think about how hard this is. Like he he a LeBron coach like Spolstra and Ty Lue have like washed off the stench of like the stigma of being a coach that coached LeBron. Yeah. Because it's like, you think it's easy and all this stuff. How hard could it be? You're coaching arguably the greatest player ever and all that. But no, Ty Lue showed in that 2016 finals and has been showing it now. Like he's a mad scientist. And so is a Eric Spolstra to uh, Eric Spolstra as well. Um, but I really do think this is just at this point, it's just insurmountable for the Clippers. Um, I was thinking Suns in five, probably even before the series started. Um, and I just think at this point, they're too shorthanded to um, deal with a full strength Suns team, especially if Chris Paul comes back. Yeah. So, you know, and again, I, I just don't know where they're going to be at and, yeah, I think the Suns coast to the finals here. Uh, and then you bring up a lot of good points with the Bucks, but I don't know. I like, like... I think the Suns are winning Drew, it all. Drew Holiday can only guard one of Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Right. And to me, those are, like, the versatility you have with Booker and Chris Paul, it's so fascinating because... And at this point now, Booker has developed to the point where he can kind of uh, not control, but he can be as he can be extremely versatile in terms of his ball handling and the way he runs an offense. Like you don't have to worry about him taking bad shots or jacking up stuff anymore. Yep, he's being incredibly intelligent and efficient with the ball, and he's grown up a lot. You can really he tell he, has, he knows he knows he has shooters and guys he could trust too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Aiton's growing up in this final, like they are in this kind of playoff run. I this team is, and they're deep. They're a well, like, they're a well, they're a well-oiled machine. Yeah, like, they're, they really are. They're deep. Mm-hmm. Like they Cameron have shooters. Aiton's playing out of his mind. Uh, Cameron Cam Payne. Johnson. It's a great reclamation project. Like he was, Absolutely. he was out of the league two seasons ago, and then has rehabilitated himself in Phoenix. It's incredible. Yeah, that, well done. That whole team plays hard. Like, I think the only weakness the Suns have is probably backup center because Dario Saric, and I love the homie. He has a he has a special place in my heart. Um, great passing big. What's up? He's a great passing big. Yeah, but unfortunately, even that's gone awry. Like, he's been pretty bad the last month, month and a half, but he's the only option the Suns have as backup five because then it's Frank the Tank. Um, oh, God. Yeah, um, that is probably the me. only weak spot in a potential Giannis matchup that I'd be worried about. But the Suns are just a well-oiled. They can run action with Chris Paul on one side and other stuff on the other side with, say, Booker or whoever, or the weak side shooter, whether it's Crowder in the corner. Um, they just have a lot of weapons and interesting pieces. And I just think right now they are clearly, they're clearly the favorite, especially because the war of attrition is taking over and the Suns are also just winning that battle pretty handily over all the teams that are left in the playoffs. Yeah. Fair. 
a fair assessment. Um, let's go on to. Unfortunately, now we go on to the Eastern Conference Finals, where, you know, at least I don't have to watch these playoffs stress. I can watch these playoffs stress free now. Right. Like I don't hate the Hawks. I actually had fun watching Trey Young like turn into a star before everybody's eyes. I was, I was off the Trey Young hype in college. And then I realized that he was way better than I thought. And then there was a rough patch there with Lloyd Pierce and then Nate McMillan made them watchable again and organized and having them believe in themselves. And I could tell you as somebody who has watched Trey Young now for seven games roast my team, he really just has great control of the pace of the game. And I'm just really impressed by the Hawks. But um, what are your initial feelings on the Hawks and Bucks uh, Eastern Conference Finals? Bucks have home oh, court I, advantage. I, I think this is also a blowout, to be completely fair. I do too. I think this is where the buck stops for yeah. the Hawks. <laughs> no, this is where the buck stops for the Hawks by the Bucks. Yeah, I, I don't think this series is even close. I think you got Drew because, like, I I guarantee you, Trey's like, yeah, I made it to the I made it to the East Conference Finals. He's hype. He's excited. He turns around and fucking Drew Holiday's there licking his lips. And not only that, like the Bucks can present, even though the Bucks are were also, I argue, just as disorganized as the Sixers were initially. If we stay learned stuff as they got onto the Brooklyn series, they're still a train wreck. I'm not trusting Bud at all, but. No. The Bucks just have way more options to score against the Hawks, you know, defense than the Sixers do. Like, it just became apparent that the Sixers just re- had no scoring options outside of Embiid and hope, hope Tobias doesn't have a bad game. They have Giannis. They have Drew Holiday. Even though <laughs> last series, Drew Holiday was shooting more like Eric Bledsoe. Yo, um, he played like garbage. Yeah. He, yeah. He, yeah. He was bad last series. Um Thankfully, Joe Harris played like a pumpkin um, for the Bucks, and the so that kind of mitigated things a bit. But they still have Chris Middleton. They can also go with Giannis at the five. I think they have settled on their rotation of seven to eight guys. I do think this could be a series Portis could play in as well. But I think the Bucks have just narrowed it down to who they can trust. I'm sure Bucks fans would rather Pat Connaughton not be a part of that equation, <laughs> but at least Bud oh. has a set. Um, rotation down, and I just think the Bucks just have way more options. And low key, the Bogdanovich injury, like hit the knee injury he was dealing with towards the end of the Sixer series, it's gonna be big for the Hawks. Um, yeah, they they because they Bogey was bailing them out of a lot of situations. Yeah, earlier earlier in the series, man, I'm telling you, I was I was scared of Bogey, and honestly, wasn't surprised because. He's made for those moments. Like he showed it in Sacramento in a place that's really hard to show <laughs> that there are winning players there. Like bogey stood out really easily as like a, Oh, this guy could be a winning player on any team. And now the knee injury is kind of that's, we'll see how that impacts things. But um, I really, I I'm thinking, I'm thinking a competitive five game series. Bucks and five. Yeah, I don't even think that. I would think a sweep, but that you know, that's just me. I just think there is a. I just think there's a game in there where the Hawks make twenty threes, because the Bucks. That's fair. De- the buck. The Bucks defense honestly hasn't been as good either. 
in the playoffs as it was in the regular season or when they finished out the regular season. And there's probably a crazy Trey Young game in there where the Bucks withstand it and they just win some crazy close games. Because you never know with Mike Budenholzer, by the way. So this is why I'm saying, like, this is going to – this might be a – it's going to be four or five, but it's going to be a competitive – it's going to be a competitive four or five. Like, this Hawks team is scrappy. Like, I learned a lot about this Hawks team um, coming out of the last series. They're mentally tough, too, as cliche and first takey and undisputed as that sounds. Um <laughs> They 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 have a mental makeup that I really like. Yeah, that's fair. I I'm again I'm just not a huge I'm not a huge Trey Young guy. We talked about that before, but again I I respect what he's been doing. He he balled out the last series, so he's been balling out in the Knicks series too. Yeah, he's. I'm just glad. It, I am glad it for for Atlanta fans though. Like, imagine Dot oh, being. Imagine being Doc oh. Rivers in your playoff ineptitude was not able to overcome Atlanta sports. <laughs> <laughs> so I I I posted the, I posted this or I responded to a Hawks fan the other day, and I was like I need I need to push back here. And there's a thing of they put out the post that was like, uh, Luca Luca Trey Young is going to go down as the one of the rare trades in NBA history where no one lost. I was like, no, clearly. Look, look, man, we don't have to. We don't have to do this. Yeah, I was like, we don't have to. I was like, you clearly lost. Like, don't, don't fool yourself here. Like, Trey Young is good, but he's not Luka Doncic. There's clearly, there's clearly a winner and loser here. (laughs) Like, it it looks. It the Hawks have their franchise point guard. Like, yeah, I'm just gonna. I'm just. I don't. I don't want to contribute to that that discourse either way i think we all know like luca's status in the league yeah and all that stuff and to like look it's okay we don't have to revisit this trip like i know it was in vogue to do this trade and meme the hawks and all that stuff and then the other way around we want to you know prove it back and forth but co- like come on like let's let's not do this <laughs> yeah, let's let's you don't have to do this it's okay yeah just you know Hey, you you may have made a mistake or you lost, but you got probably the closest value you could probably probably get. Like this is still really good value. Trey Young, Trey Young's gonna terrorize the Eastern Conference for like fifteen years. I can already feel it. Yeah, so, like he's gonna be, he's gonna be good. He's gonna be really really good. Yeah, like you don't need to worry about it. You're fine, but don't make this about oh we, <laughs> the, we, it's, the it's, trade. this trade even. Don't tell me this trade's even. That's all I'm saying. It is funny that Trey and Aiden are in the conference finals before Doncic, though. It is. But I think that's – we'll talk about the Mavs eventually at some point. But, um, yeah, so – Oh, yeah, Mr. Mr. Bob Volgaris, Shadow GM. Uh, it's such a weird – oh, whatever. We'll talk about it later. We're, we're, we've gone a little long. But even then, it's uh, – a yeah, it, it should be an interesting – I think – after how good this past round was, these to me these conference finals are pretty lackluster. Yeah, like I think they should be pretty quick. Um, but they're, pro- they're probably like yesterday's game was really good. Like, yeah, absolutely. I think we're going to see a lot of close games, but probably quick series. Yeah, and again, once Chris Paul comes back, the Suns are completely different. 
little well, yeah and chris paul uh, has more can rest his shoulder more now yeah which is terrifying for mm-hmm. the bucks because he was looking good last series against the nuggets yeah so who knows oh by the way I, what's your what's your take on before we go what's your take on the sun's allegedly glorifying the uh the sun's and four guy um whatever i i'm all this is coming from a laker fan that that has an Alice Caruso jersey, okay? Like, I am all for... <laughs> I'm all for fans and teams having their own little, like... Meme icons. Meme icons. Like, you know, are... <laughs> hey, man, I, I, I'm i looking for a shirt that has a has a fake girl's name on it, okay? Like, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not one to judge. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Lakers Twitter was searching for a uh, for Miss Vivian, um, and turns out she's. <laughs> yeah, I get it. No, like I'm not, the reason I'm not that, one to judge. Man. <laughs> the re- the like here's why people were just being oversensitive about it. one. It was self defense. That guy poured beer intentionally on yeah. a Suns fan that spent his hard earned money to see his team you know, whoops some ass in the playoffs for the first time in 10 years. And then he scares the guy off who poured the beer. And then the guy who poured the beer tried to sucker punch him. The Suns and four guy, he was on the lower ground. So he was at a disadvantage. And then he grabbed him and just started punching his face repeatedly. Let his friend know that he was fucking his boy up while he was, while he was punching him in the face. <laughs> like that yeah. was in, that was some gangsta shit. Like I'm sorry. Like I'm gangsta shit. That was some gangsta shit. Like I'm not gonna like he. And then to cap it off, he did the he did Sons and Four, and and it to cap it off, like the Suns actually ended up sweeping later. Like that was a legendary moment. Like it was self defense. He had the lower ground, and he avoid he's he uh he uh you know took a sucker punch. And still beat his ass. And they ran off scared like cockroaches when you turn on the light in the living room. Yeah. They all do. <laughs> like, that w- That was crazy. Like, I was laughing so hard when, he- when I, as soon as I, as soon as he was like, hey, Suns in four. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is going to be a legendary meme I could tell already. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. I so think we it's both fun. got Suns Bucks finals yeah Suns bucks fine i don't think i don't again i don't think it's close i I think they're fine i think i think uh so i i'm I'm like pretty confident this so i'm saying suns and five for the i'm saying suns and five for the western conference finals or i had that before and then um you two i have two sweeps you have two sweeps okay i'll go bucks and five for uh the conference finals and then i'll go suns and six you wouldn't be surprised if both teams swept right no, I would not. No. Yeah. So you're just going five because you think that there's one fluky game. I think there. Yeah, I think there's one fluky game. There's something. Something crazy happens. Clippers will probably win game three or something at home. Um, yeah. In front of their fans, their first Western Conference Finals game in the franchise's history. So, and then in the finals, I got Suns in six over yeah. the Bucks. Totally fair. But yeah, I, I think we're both uh, we're both on the same page here. I'm I'm ex- I'm more excited for the finals matchup of Suns Bucks than I am for any either one of these matchups. They had good games. They had two good games this year. Yeah, in the regular and like season. If, if everyone's healthy, I'm excited to see where this goes. That's I'm the just, that's the main I'm, thing. 
That's I'm just praying that both of these teams come out of here, out of these series with health intact. That's that's, that's my main thing. Both of the, the Bucks and the Suns are the healthiest right now, so I would just like to see a matchup of healthy teams, <laughs> you know? Yes, 100%. Because we've really been inundated with bad news of injuries to star players. It would be nice to see a matchup with teams at full strength. Like when Chris Paul... When that Chris Paul news came out, I was like, oh, God, like, are you serious? Like, this dude has the worst playoff luck with injuries ever. I know. I feel so bad. But, but you know what? He, he should be he, back. I, I read something, too. It was crazy. He, uh, like, the chance of getting COVID with with being fully vaccinated is, like, le- under It's under, under 10%, 10%, right? Percent. Yeah, and he's like, and he got it. And it's, like, unbelievable. <laughs> right? But he should be back. Um, so hopefully the finals will uh, have two healthy teams and um, we'll get to see, uh, you know, it's it's really it's been an unpredictable playoffs. That's for sure. I'm not so sure how much of the excitement from these playoffs is from close or close ish games or the fact that it's just really unpredictable and wide open. There's just been wild swings in this series that we probably never seen before. Yeah. So, we'll see. But, but I was alive for the Terrence Mann game. <laughs> the man explosion. The man explosion. <laughs> that's the that's the that's the that's the name of this podcast. We only talked about it for like five minutes, but then that's the name of this podcast: the man explosion. <laughs> the man explosion. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. I could dig thank it. You, thank you all for listening to us ramble about random shit, and thank you. Jordan, we've we've been doing this podcast for almost um, six months now. A minute, it for yeah. A while now. It's been uh, I think we started in November. Yeah, so over yeah, a little over six months. So yeah, yeah it's uh, yeah. it's been great. It's been I've, fun. I've enjoyed doing this with you for this long, and it's going to continue. But nope. I'm very excited. No, I'm kidding. To, uh, I've enjoyed doing it with you too. <laughs> yeah, and I've enjoyed having uh, you know, whoever's whoever. If you are listening, I'm glad you've enjoyed it as well. And or you know, if this is the first time you've listening. Oh, oops! <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, I'm sorry we. Uh, I'm sorry we didn't keep you. But um, you know, thank you guys for listening and watching, and uh, we'll see you next week. The Bob.